It's another lovely Saturday morning, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to your favorite radio program, Naspa Moments Radio Show. Do you know where your children are this moment? The months of November through May are usually not the best of times for people within the West African sub-region. It is at this period that the prevalence of the dreaded Lassa fever is at its peak in most countries within the region. According to the World Health Organization, Lassa fever is endemic in the West African countries of Benin, Ghana, Guinea, Liberia, Sierra Leone, Togo, and Nigeria. The Nigeria Center for Disease Control reported that the number of newly confirmed cases and deaths was gradually on the rise in the country. Between January 1st and 26th of this year alone, a total of 689 cases of Lassa fever had been reported across 19 states of Nigeria, with 41 deaths. The states affected are Ondo, Edo, Eboyi, Enugu, Kano, Borno, Nasarawa, Kogi, Rivers, Abia, Adamawa, Benue, Kaduna, Delta, Taraba, Plateau, Bauchi, Oshun, and Ogun. The Nasco Moments radio show today shall examine the public health challenge of Lassa fever, prevention, symptoms, and treatment options. To do justice to this topic, we have as guest on the show this morning Dr. Nantan Dandamjili, consultant, family physician, and director, medical services, Plateau State Polytechnic, Barkinladi. I'm Hodungyam. Stay tuned to your radio sets, and we'll be back after this. Nasco Cube Sugar is pleasantly sweet and can be used in tea, coffee, pap, and a variety of cereals and beverages. Nasco Cube Sugar can be taken at any time of the day. And what's more, each cube delivers a sweet taste and experience. Really? Nasco Cube Sugar is fortified with vitamin A and dissolves fast. Nasco Cube. Mmm. Nasco Cube Sugar. Sugar. For that sweet taste. Nasco Cube. Nasco Cube Sugar, another quality product from Nasco. Dr. Dandamjili, welcome to the Nasco Moments Radio Show. Thank you, Huden. Okay. Morning. Lassa fever is said to have been discovered right here in Nigeria. Let us have a sense of how it all began. Okay, um, some years ago, that's in the year 1969, in one village called Lassa in Borno State, there were missionaries working there, two missionaries to be precise. After some time, they developed some symptoms, some bizarre symptoms, that nobody could um, decipher what it was. Eventually, one of the missionaries died, and then, in fear of the fact that the other one may also die, she was flown out of the country. Investigations were carried out, and they eventually discovered a strange virus called Lassa, um, a strange virus that was causing the ailments and they then named the virus after the name of the village where they were working, that's Lhasa in Borno State. So precisely it was discovered in the year 1969 in a village called Lhasa in Borno State, Nigeria. Okay, so would you say that Lhasa fever is a global public health emergency? Yeah, of course, because um, since it was discovered, there had been a lot of outbreaks of it that has engulfed not only Nigeria, but so many West African countries. So it's, it's having a global look as it is now. So it has a lot of public health importance mm. which needs to be discussed. But since um, 
it was first discovered so long ago, why hasn't a cure been found up to now? Well, as it stands now, there's no any cure for it. But once it is found, there's treatment for it as it stands now. But there's no full cure for it. So the outbreaks will continue. You know, the virus is, um, uh, what houses the virus is a rodent called um, a multimamid rat that houses this particular virus. And as long as that particular rodent is not eliminated, then automatically uh, the, 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 the disease cannot be eradicated, mm. except if people have to stay completely from all these rats. And of course, you know that's not possible. What do you mean stay completely from this rat? As per, uh, possibly the rats eliminated, or people do not get in contact with these rats completely. But if a rat enters your house, you know, what can you actually, you can't really prevent that. How can you prevent that? That's why, that's why I'm saying that it's difficult. Mm. It's very, very difficult to eliminate it and to say it's completely eradicated in this part of the world mm. because of so many other conditions. Okay, so can we say that it is the rat that causes the Lassa fever? Well, the rat houses the virus. Okay. So the virus inside that rat causes the Lassa fever. Mm. So once you come in contact with the rat, whether directly or through the droppings, uh, the urine, then you can contract that particular virus. Okay. Yes. How does it spread? Well, generally, um, there are different forms that it can spread. It can spread via direct contact of you having with the rat. You know, if you come in, in, in contact with the rat, or you come in contact with the droppings of the rat, or the blood of the rat, then there's every tendency. If that rat is this particular species that has the virus, you can contract it. That's number one. Number two, uh, if I have the disease, if I have Lassa fever, and you come in contact with me, there's every tendency that you may contract it, especially if there's any fluid in me, my bodily fluid, that gets in touch or in contact with yours, then you can contract the disease. And then thirdly, if there are equipment especially hospital equipment, utensils or whatever that are contaminated by droppings from this rat that has the virus, then when you get it in contact with it, there's every tendency that you also contract the disease. You mentioned a specific species of rat. Yes. Is there, can you describe this rat so that when we see it, we can recognize it? Okay, um, I call it multimamid rat. The scientific name is called Blastomys nentilansis. But it's a multimamid rat that has so many breasts. You know, a normal rat, when you carry it, it may just have maybe about four breasts on the chest. But this one sometimes may have about 18 to 20 breasts. You know, because it's been found that it gives birth to so many children. So in order to take care of these children, uh, it, uh, biology has given it those um, breasts that it takes care of the kids with, the children with. So that's the rat that we should that's look after. That's the rat, yes. That's uh, the, rat. the children, can they also infect of others? Of course, they are also rats. <laughs> <laughs> they are also rats, so they will. Okay. <laughs> yes. It just sounds very disturbing. Mm. All right, um, it's the Nasco Moments radio show. Thank you for staying tuned. Uh, we'll get some more information from the doctor right after this break. Forever flavor you may need. Yes, 
Biscuits today. Nasco cream biscuits. Nasco shortcake biscuits. Nasco cream crackers. Nasco biscuits. Cream of biscuits. Thank you, dear listener. It's the Nasco Women's Radio Talk Show. Our guest, Dr. Nantam Dandamjili, consultant, family physician, and director of medical services, Plateau State Polytechnic, Baikinladi, has been sharing his thoughts on the public health challenge of Lassa fever, prevention, symptoms, and treatment options. Doctor, who are those at risk of contracting Lassa fever? Okay, um, to me, I would say everybody is at risk. Especially we that are in this part of the world. All of us are at risk. However, there are some specific people that are, the risk is higher. You know, um, like uh, anybody that gets himself exposed to this particular rodent, he's at risk. So all people in Sub-Saharan Africa generally, they are at risk. If you live in an environment that is not tidy, is not very clean, you are at risk. Um, if you live in a crowded environment, you are at risk. If you live um, uh, in areas where there are some cultural practices that promote eating of rats and so many other activities around the rats, you are at risk. So almost everybody in this part of the world is at risk, except that these other people, uh, their risk is higher than others. Oh. Okay, can you share some of the signs and symptoms of this disease? Okay, the um, disease generally has an incubation period of about um, 6 to 21 days. So initially when you contract this virus, initially it may not manifest any full-blown symptoms. So it starts gradually. So at the initial stage, it is asymptomatic. But uh, with time, you start having fever. You know, the fever then comes with a little headache. You will have general body weakness, malaise. You know, and then as it progresses, you realize that you start developing sore throat. You know, a sore throat that possibly you may be taking some pain relievers, but it rather increases. And then subsequently, you may have cough. Some will start passing watries too. You know, and then you deteriorate gradually. And then when the symptoms become so severe, at those points, you will start having some facial puffiness, uh, face start swelling, even general body puffiness, swellings. And then some other people will start bleeding from gums, from all the orifices from their systems. From the eyes, you can bleed, from the nose, from your mouth, from your anus, for females, even from the vagina. Or if you have a cut anywhere in your body, or an old scar, is not well healed, you can start bleeding from those places. And of course, at those at those points, uh, terminal events start setting in. Multi-system failure, and then most times, probably from 14th day, if nothing is done, there's every likelihood that a person will just die. So you don't necessarily have to get to the 21 days. No. From 14 days, yes. it, the, the symptoms become severe. Exactly. You know, the body system is very complex. There are some people that have very strong immunity. Now that's why they said the incubation period takes that long. Some people can manifest from just that six day, and within a week, 
they have the full-blown symptoms and may, they may deteriorate very, very fast. Some other people that, may, that have very strong immunity, they may linger for quite some time before the symptoms start coming. So that is it. Okay. Um, what are some of the common uh, okay, complications of the disease? What you've just described, are yes. those the common complications? These are not the complications, disease? these are symptoms, okay. signs that you're fine. Uh, for the complications, these are sequelae of the disease, yes. And uh, some of the complications, most common is deafness. Yeah, it's been found that about 25% of people who come down with this disease, they may get okay, but more, about 25 of them may have this residual deafness that you have. Some are lucky, they will recover from it, but a lot of times it continues. Secondly, you may have this imbalance. You may not be able to walk straight always staggering your gait will not be correct again and then there's also this issue of loss of hair for some people some people it may be permanent but some people it may be transient so after some months to years and then the hair starts growing up so those are essentially the complications and then ultimately death it's a complication of the disease so if it presents early most times something can be done but if it presents late and nothing is done the ultimate complication is death I wonder how it presents early when you said at the beginning it's asymptomatic. Yes. So how would you even know that you have it? Yes, if you're having probably a flu, some malaise, you don't understand yourself, and you go to the hospital early. That's presentation early. But usually but when these it, things, people just treat malaria, yes, typhoid, yes. you know, and it's, you don't even get the Lassa fever that's test right, uh, right. in this state, for yeah, instance. You don't. But the, the truth about it is that that's why we're given this enlightenment. Once you have a fever that is high grade, particularly anything above 38 degrees Celsius, and you go to a hospital, when they take your history and possibly you are coming from a zone where there's an outbreak, the radar will be on you. You are a red flag. So it will be highly suspicious where you need to be monitored. At that stage, particularly if you are just having just the fever, maybe the headaches, then the sore throat, and you are seen at that point, you are quarantined, then something good can come out of it. But where you present, let's say, especially when you are having all these bleedings, that's late presentation. Those are the ones that will ultimately lead to death. We talk about it. It's the Nask Moments radio show. Thank you for staying tuned. Today we are discussing Lassa fever. Join us again right after this. A promise kept. the taste of Nasco cream crackers. Each bite is crispy and so much fun. It's excitingly cool and a delight any day. Nasco cream crackers is the ideal snack at home and office. Nasco cream crackers is best served with tea, coffee and cheese. Nasco cream crackers. Nasco cream crackers. A promise kept. It's crunchy and tasty. Nasco cream, cream crackers. Another quality product from Nasco. You're still on to the Nasco Moment Show on radio. We are examining the public health challenge of Lassa fever, prevention, symptoms, and treatment options. Dr. Nantan Dandamjili, consultant, family physician, and director, medical services, Plateau State Polytechnic, Baikinadi, is our guest this morning. 
Now, Doctor, what practical measures can be deployed to prevent Lassa fever? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the crux of the matter. Because as we said, um, as it stands now, though it can be treated, but um, it's difficult to eradicate it. And there's no vaccine to prevent it, as it stands now. So some of the practical things that we'll obviously need to do are some lifestyle issues that need to be corrected. You know, the most fundamental is ensuring a neat environmental conditions. Once our environments are clean, both inside and outside, you know, it tends to reduce the breeding of all these rats that harbor this particular disease condition. That's number one. Number two, we as individuals must imbibe the culture of neatness, especially personal hygiene, the culture of washing of our hands. Because it's been found that washing of hands with just soap and water goes a long way in helping in the prevention of this particular disease condition. And then thirdly is um, there are some cultural practices that we must educate our people to try and avoid. I know there are some cultures that if somebody dies, um, the relations of the person are made to go and touch the cops, possibly do some rituals with the cops. So we have to disabuse our minds of people from doing such. And then there are some cultures that uh, see rats as very, very good delicacies. So in this time that we are having these outbreaks, they have to be educated to try to stay away from these rats as much as possible. For relations whose uh, for relatives whose, for people whose relations are suspected to have this particular disease condition, they have to be very careful in handling them. They must use personal protective equipment. You know? And then in the hospitals for health personnel too, you have to always ensure that you use your personal protective equipment in handling every patient that comes. So now if you go to any health facility, most times, when you come and you're having fever, nobody just goes to you and start taking your temperature like the way they used to do. There's this infrared non-touch thermometer they use. They just bring it close to you and then it gives the temperature. If it is high, you're suspicious. Before anybody touch you, especially when you're a suspicious case, you must wear your gown, you must wear your first marks, your gloves, your boots and everything. So those are the practical things that are being done to ensure that these things are prevented as much as possible. So if you know someone who um, is diagnosed with Lassa fever and you have had contact with the person, it's best to just present yourself in the hospital. That's just the ultimate thing, mm. yeah. But most times there's this contact tracing that is done. Once somebody is a suspicious case, they start the contact tracing. They take the sample, they ensure that those people are quarantined so that no people, nobody mixes with them. They take the sample, once the sample has been confirmed that the person truly has Lassa, those people are kept in that place for at least 21 days. Mm. After 21 days, if nothing happens, well, it means the incubation period has passed. So it means they didn't contract the disease, so they are allowed to go. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, what are some of the treatment options for the disease? Okay, the, um, the main treatment modality on ground now is an antiviral agent drug, we call it Rebavirin, which is readily available now, which is outbreak. Uh, it's a drug that is quite effective and it helps a lot. And then the other treatment modality is just supportive management. Because just like I said, some will come vomiting, some will come passing what we do, some will come quite weak. 
so um, uh, they have to actually get uh, the supportive management like you'll be given IV food some are given pain relievers some are given antibiotics for the diarrheal stool they're passing some are given um, uh, blood generally because of the blood they're losing so those are the supportive management apart from the antiviral drug okay. that is being given present. How prepared is the nation's healthcare system to confront the recurrence of Lassa fever? Well, um, so far, I, I, I think it's a, it's a difficult question for one to say the, the, the country is fully prepared to contain this. But um, from what I've seen and what I've read, the government is doing everything possible to contain this particular Lassa fever through the Nigerian Center for Disease Control. You know, at it stands today, uh, at the national level, they've set up an emergency unit that coordinates uh, all the issues of Lassa fever from all the states that are affected. And then they also set up the same emergency mechanisms in all the states that are affected. You know, and then in all the states that are affected, there are public health physicians on standby ensure that they go around to see how they can do contact tracing. Anybody with any suspicious case is transferred to the hospital, samples are taken and all whatnot. So, so far, I, I think to a very large extent, the country is trying her best to ensure that they contain this. And for how they, for, for now, the statistics have shown that the outbreak is on the decline from what was released this week. It's on the decline. And with all these mechanisms they put on ground, I believe that um, probably in future they will be better prepared to contain any outbreak that will come from. Okay, we're doing our best, but it's not necessarily the best. Yes. Hmm. Now, um, what are your final words to the listener on this topic? Well, um, good. I think the essence of a program like this is to create awareness for people concerning this particular disease condition. General saying is that prevention is ultimately better than cure. So I think we have to be conscious of our health. Uh, we have to develop very good health-seeking behavior, so that once you feel anything that uh, is abnormal, you try to seek help. And then we also learn to keep our environments clean, very very clean, to see how we can prevent this as much as possible, both in our homes and even outside the houses. The environment needs to be clean. Then ultimately, I also want to advise that we have to maintain personal hygiene, this issue of walking, washing of hands. Like in the facility where I work, or even in the school, we were so proactive. We had to pro provide buckets for washing of hands in almost all the main, main departments with this liquid soap. So that whatever you do, whoever you go, on leaving that place, you will wash your hands. Mm -hmm. You could wash your hands while going in, and then wash while going out. It will go a long way in helping. Or have a bottle of hand sanitizer in your bag. Well, that is good, but um, research has shown that washing of the hand is much, much better. Mm. So after washing of the hand, if you have a hand sanitizer that you continue to use, you will go a long way. That's double protection. You know, the problem with Nigerians is, you know, after the Ebola outbreak, um, people started adopting uh, this attitude of washing the hands. Mm. Schools started doing it. You know, business premises, offices provided buckets with uh, taps, running water. Yeah. But after the Ebola 
<laughs> outbreak was, you know, sort of defeated. Every, everything went back to default mode and people forgot those practices. But it should be a lifestyle. Yeah, that's ultimately, it should be a lifestyle. I think we need to embark that. It's high time. We've come a long way. We need to embark that and ultimately to improve our health security. Very, very important. In fact, just mere lifestyle modifications, it goes a long way in reducing so many problems that we have in the world. So if people are able to see how to embark some of these things, Okay. Maybe with lots of fever, it's also a good idea to get a cat these days. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> another very good one. Very, very important. All right, uh, Dr. Nantan Tandamjili, uh, we're very grateful to have you on the program today. Thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure. He is a consultant, family physician, and director of medical services, Plateau State Polytechnic, Viking Ladi. And I'm positive that the listener today has benefited from listening to this discussion on the public health challenge of Lassa fever, prevention, symptoms, and treatment options. As we end the show today, we urge you to follow NASCO on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash NASCO group. You can also follow on Twitter using the handle at NASCO group. We encourage you to send feedback on any aspect of the NASCO Moments radio show to the email info at nasco.net or by text through the dedicated care line 0805 774-7777. Today on the Nasco Moments Trivia, our question is, what is the name of the pediatrician and associate professor who became the vice chancellor of ABU Zaria after an expatriate? Send the correct answer via text to 0805-774-7777, including your name in full and exact location. The NASCO Moments Radio Talk Show was brought to you by NASCO Group. It was created by Unimark Limited Marketing Communications Consultants, Executive Producers, NASCO Marketing Department, Producer Harun Aldu, Research and Contents Development, George Palm and Harun Aldu, Production Coordinators, Solomon Aldu, Malau Silvanus and Alex Ruben. I'm Hudun Gang. Join us again next Saturday for another interesting package.